Kinichiwa, Minisan. Welcome to Famicast 52, your Famicast for mid-March 2015. I'm your host, Danny Bivens, and today I'm joined right now by Mr. James Charlton. Hi, Danny. Hey. I should warn you, though. My mom said I should not get into radio shows with strange men. This isn't a radio show. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Good job. So, uh, just a little bit of an FYI for you guys out there. I'm unable to stick around for the whole show. But I, you know, I've actually been playing some games, game, <laughs> recently. So um, I figured I can get on and you know talk to you guys about that and maybe a couple other other little things too that's happening, uh, video game related. So yeah, and then James has a ton of shit to talk about. I do. <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we won't do that. We won't even go. There. I think we. I think we killed it last episode. I, I think so too. <laughs> So, okay, maybe a promise, no more Batman for the rest of this episode, but he might be back. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and take one quick, total, one quick little break here, and we'll come back with me for some new business. All right. Right, so we're back. Welcome back. So, uh, you know, James, like I told you, you know, in the last episode, you know, I've, I've been picking up a lot of, well, okay, like a couple of different <laughs> games over the past couple of months and basically not playing them. But, uh, well, what's your excuse, Danny? No, no excuses, right? <laughs> no, no, nothing, go- nothing else going on in your life, is it? Absolutely not. There is no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I picked up Kirby for Wii U, and I still haven't even put it in my wii u yet (laughs) (laughs) how's the box is the box nice it looks very nice and looking at the screenshots on the back and remembering how good they looked on the youtube videos (laughs) do you get any play-doh free with it oh not that i've i've seen i mean maybe it's hiding somewhere in the package that i haven't opened that'd be a great pack-in wouldn't it yeah i I did open the package there's no (laughs) play-doh but uh you know another game that i did manage to pick up too which i think i had mentioned is majora's mask 3d and i think at the time of the last recording i think i had basically just popped it in and saved the game essentially and that's all i've done but um up at this point yeah i probably sank about maybe six hours or something into it and i'm not even at the first dungeon yet um do you call yourself danny or link or some other stupid name i i always call myself link that's what i've been doing recently huh. and Interesting. Um, i always call myself myself oh, okay i used to do that and then i'm just i don't know recently i just started just calling myself link but, um, one, one thing that always annoyed me is that when my, my, my friends put their own name in, but they always did it all capital letters. So <laughs> so just like the whole game, it just like people are just shouting at you. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, this time I'm I'm playing in Japanese, and I think I've only completed one other Zelda game in Japanese, and that mm-hmm. being uh, Link's Awakening, which I did that back, I think, in 2013, if you guys might remember that episode, May, I think it was. Uh, fantastic. Love, 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 love Link's Awakening. So good. And, you know, Majora's Mask kind of has, has a special place for me. Like, I don't know about you, James, but back mm-hmm. in the day, did you pick it up, like, right when it came out? Yep. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not sure day one, but, you know, within a month of it coming out, yeah. You know, it was kind of strange, because around when it came out in the United States, I think the official release date was October 26, 2000, which actually was the release date for the PlayStation 2 as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nintendo are great for doing that. Rele- releasing games, you know, just basically sending sending them out to die. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What was really was really odd about that launch, and it might have just been my town, but at the Software Etc., which is now you know GameStop, they they released the game a couple of days early because I got a call like on the twenty fourth, and they're like, "Hey, you know the game's in." And I was thinking in my head, "This is not supposed to be in for a couple of days, but hey, I'll come and play it. <laughs> you know, I'll come and get it, and you know, take it home." So. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that, and nice. on my N64 version, I never really made too much progress. Maybe I only got about halfway through the game, but where where I really... That's, that's typical, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. That's where it started, back around 2000. Thank you, Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I never really got through anything, but where I really kind of picked it up again was uh, on the virtual console. Uh, back about four years ago, I just decided, I was like, hey, you know, I've never beat this game, and this version's not terrible. <laughs> so let's do this thing and you know I, I probably played for like 35-40 hours I got all the masks I think maybe nice. even all the heart pieces and yeah it was just a really wow. satisfying and just awesome game I loved everything about it I don't know I'm, I'm neither I mean I, I really like Majora's Mask but I didn't like it more than Ocarina Ooh, okay. and um, I, th- I thought it was like a nice you know follow up you know it wasn't just the same rehash sure. you know, even it could have could have easily have been that right because it's basically the same same engine same yeah. characters um so but you know i yeah i thought it was a good uh good twist and i enjoyed it but i'm not I, it's kind of weird because everyone seems to either love it or hate it you mm-hmm. know it seems to be the opinion on most podcasts like you know even rfn mm-hmm. i think um most people like it on RFN, except Jonesy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Just to be different. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm. I'm really. Yeah, I'm. I'm neither. It's like, yeah, it was a good. It was a good Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know where I'd rank it, but uh, I think Wind Windmaker is probably above it, mm-hmm. and Ocarina is probably above it. But mm-hmm. uh, how about you in the in the full Zelda ranking? Where would you put it? I think I'd actually put it at number one. Wow. And, I mean, for years and years and years, hmm. I was the kind of guy that always put Ocarina up top. And, I mean, my, <laughs> I kind of just changed that just, you know, with this first playthrough of the whole game back, you know, four or five years ago. And, um, I mean, the main reason why I like it so much more than the other Zeldas is because it is something that's so much different. And, okay, so much different, but using all these same assets and, you know, all this type of stuff. I mean... Different slash exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, it, there's a lot more focus on the side missions and, uh, you know, right. the dungeons are a little seem a little bit more complicated. And I don't know. I just had a lot more time exploring the world. I mean, it was like a... You know, I think I heard someone on another podcast kind of talking about this, too, how, you know, you have games these days with open world and these uh, NPCs that are going around doing all sorts of stuff. But... It seems like, you know, kind of what they're doing is always kind of random, but what 
these NPCs are doing in Majora's Mask, it's very deliberate. They're doing something on a schedule. Right, right. And it's just, it's really interesting and it's really kind of fascinating to get kind of caught up in this world and what these people are doing and why they're doing it. Um, yeah, the, I love the story, the the concept. I mean, um, Groundhog Day is a fantastic movie. I love it. And, sure. you know, to play a game that basically does that, you know, just the that concept of knowing that something's about to happen, you know, like the cockerel is about to crow, somebody's about to fall over, somebody's about to walk through a door. Having knowing all that in advance because you've kind of memorized the patterns, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's a really cool like you know time travel kind of feeling. Which you know I'm a big fan of time travel stories too. So mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, definitely very cool. Yeah, well, definitely one of the best stories. I give it that. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, getting to Majora's Mask 3D, yeah, I picked that up, like, on launch day. I have the physical version. Um, just, yeah. <laughs> this is the first, first physical version of a game I've picked up in a very long time um, on 3DS. But, um... <laughs> you're getting, we're getting near the end of the 3DS's life, and you're realizing that there's never going to be a, an account system that'll let you transfer things <laughs> over to the next system. You're like, oh, shit, I need to stop buying physical stuff. Well, I, I just need to, like, go back and delete my E3 2012 videos. <laughs> <laughs> my 3ds i have like literally not deleted tons of videos from like going back to 2011 it's stupid <laughs> i know but super mario brothers 2 3d trailer yes i'm serious i have like oh, all God. of those things it's a it's a, yeah it's awful <laughs> <laughs> but you know anyways like i said getting to majora's mask 3d you know yeah i picked it up and you know i've, I've been playing it a lot and um I have not got to any of the dungeons. I've just been kind of screwing around in the world. I mean, at first, I was just kind of gathering rupees. I was trying to get the uh, uh, bigger wallet, the one that holds 200 rupees and stuff like that. And then just last night, I'd sat down, and I was kind of going through getting some heart pieces and uh, just doing some other stuff, you know, in the game, just kind of side questy things, like uh, helping out the old lady uh, in the north part of the town who that asshole creep comes and tries to take the bomb bag and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's just kind of fun kind of remembering this stuff and also consulting an FAQ every once in a while because I'm like <laughs> cause it's, it's kind of a lot to keep track of and especially playing in a language that's not your native language <laughs> it can uh, you know be a little bit tough but um, yeah so are you noticing any differences because like you said you played the virtual console 64 version quite recently right well not not recently but you know recently more recently than the n64 version so um are there any differences like the layout of the town is different right like um i heard that the bank the guy that gives you holds your rupees is like right in front of your face when you first start so you can quickly deposit your rupees before right rewinding time things like that you know isn't anything like that yeah, I mean, uh, not really anything that's too significant other than stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, then again, I've only been playing basically around Clock Town. Um, uh, yeah. Clock Town's a great, it's a great town. It's, I mean, yeah, like, all the characters are recycled, but, like, they're all kind of in that one place at the same time. So sure. it kind of just feels so dense, doesn't it? Like, oh, yeah. There's so many things going on, like, right. which is always a cool thing. Yeah, but that, shame that is pretty much the only town, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but you know, obviously, in terms of like visuals and stuff like that, yeah, this is quite a step up from the N sixty four version, obviously. Okay. And you know, I a lot of people are saying things like, "Oh, this is such a gorgeous game," and I think some aspects of the game are gorgeous. I think some of the texturing and stuff that they do is fantastic. Like, there's some scenes, like some of like the cutscenes where it shows Link in like the forest. 
it, it just looks great. I mean, the texturing that they're doing on the trees and stuff like that, it looks fantastic. It actually looks like right. a real tree, not like somebody barfed out like a texture and just mapped it on like a, <laughs> you know, a, a round tube, you know. Right. Um, other things too, like sometimes it is put, like I got to Lawn, not Lawn Lawn Ranch, Romani Ranch. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes in the middle of that field, there's just bushes that are just sitting out there. Just like sometimes little touches like that just kind of breathe more life into the game and just make it be more realistic and kind of more relevant to a modern audience. Um, I think that stuff's great. Um, According to Wikipedia, some of the technical differences between Ocarina of Time, the original one, mm-hmm. and Majora's Mask, the original one, because um, it had the four megabyte expense, RAM expansion thing, right? Right. You needed it, right? Yes. So apparently the draw distance was a lot um, better in Majora's Mask compared to Ocarina, so you could see a lot further without the fog, mm-hmm. something I didn't really think about before. But that, because of that, the um, the frame rate wasn't that good <laughs> sometimes, right? Right. I'm assuming there's rock solid in this one, right? Mm, there are still some issues where it, it can get a little bit choppy, but it's never... It's not like GoldenEye in 64 or something, you know, where... <laughs> Throwing a grenade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every four-player grenade launchers and everything's exploding. It's not like, you know, nothing like that. It's not a slideshow. Never gets anywhere close to anything like that. But I, I noticed, even just going throughout the field, sometimes chopping up some little bushes and stuff, sometimes yeah. there'll be some slowdown. And also, too, you know, with the new 3DS, which, what I, which is what I'm playing on, you know, you have right. free uh, control of the camera... And sometimes that can be, it depends, like if you zoom in really close on the character on Link and then you're kind of moving around and stuff, sometimes that, I don't know, the frame rate can take a bit of a hit because it's not, originally wasn't meant to be like that. <laughs> I've got a, got a quick question about that. Is it like Wind Waker where it's like a smooth camera movement or is it like notches, like, you know, every, you know, you, n- you nudge it around like Mario 64 kind of thing? No, totally smooth. Totally like Totally smooth. Totally okay. like that. It's like Wind Waker. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, it, you know, it's fine, and it, it's helpful to sometimes get better angles on stuff. And, you know... C- can, you, can you move and move the camera at the same time? <laughs> if you can, if you want to do, like, the claw or something, you kind of got to <laughs> contort your fingers, you know, a little bit oddly. But, yeah, that works. And I, I was doing that... What was I doing? I think I was getting one of the masks where you have to, like, lead these little chickens around and stuff. And you have mm-hmm. to hold B, and I was just making sure that they were all following me and stuff, and... I don't know. It's like little things like that. So, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, character models. I mean, Link looks, you know, great. Um, the Skull Kid, he looks pretty good too. And, um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, the villagers and stuff. I mean, yeah, this is like an N sixty four model. It looks like, but you know, upresed a bit. But you can see the heritage. It's very, <laughs> you know, apparent. And I'm not saying that like takes away from. You know, making this Tri- game fun. Triangle for a nose. Yeah, I mean, literally. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, some of that stuff, it looks better than what it did back in the day. You know, just kind of better textures and stuff. But, I mean, the geometry and all that stuff, it's kind of hard. May, well, with the way that they ported this game, it seems difficult to make it. So it's anything different. Um, cool. And apparently they're going to patch in Amiibo support sometime down the road. Sure, why not? I actually, <laughs> no, are you serious? Well, I have not read No, no, I, I, th- I think I heard that because um, at least it was hinted at. Okay. Uh, it's, not, it's not in there right at the moment, right? But um, because it's a, you know, it's an enhanced on new Nintendo 3DS sure. software, you know, uh, why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they would do with that. But, I'm um, not sure either. I mean, I thought that would be, I thought that would be good lead in for uh, 
if uh, you got any amiibo talk. Yeah, and actually I do. Um, so, you know, I've been kind of out of the amiibo game for a little bit. I know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the amiibo game, yeah. like the drug game. It's, yeah, basically. You know, it's an addiction. Um, <laughs> you know, you guys will probably remember at the end of episode 50, my buddy Josh and I talked about amiibo and how, but, you know, we weren't really down on it. We weren't praising it. I mean, you know, I, I think the idea of amiibo is cool in theory. Uh, I'm not really satisfied with what Nintendo's been doing with Amiibo recently. I think some of the coolest stuff is maybe the stuff that you see in Hyrule Warriors, but it's still really not that cool. <laughs> but, well, they haven't been doing anything with them, so that's the, that's the answer to that. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. But I, you know, just here recently, I think on February 19th, uh, they released a couple new Amiibo, and one of them being in that was Shulk. And I, you know, and Smash Brothers, I've, I've been playing as Shulk a lot. I like the character despite having not really played much of Xenoblade, my Wii version, and having reserved the 3DS version. <laughs> <laughs> and the Wii U version. Uh, not yet, but I'm, I probably will. The only reason I reserved the 3DS version so I'll get the soundtrack for sure that I'll never listen to. <laughs> uh, just amassing piles You'll end up of, just listening to on YouTube because it's easier. Pretty much. Just amassing piles of junk in my apartment, as, as yep. one does. Um, but yeah, so I, I was I was like, man, you know what? The Shulk's really cool, and you know, Mega Man's cool too. I'm just gonna get those. And so, so you walked into your shop, got them for standard retail price, and walked out. Oh End yeah, of story. Obviously, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, as, as we mentioned in the last episode too, yeah, Amiibos have been kind of going up in price here, uh, specific ones, and it seems like basically all the new ones that are coming out, or even the ones that aren't even out yet, like Ness, <laughs> he, he's. Just to pre-order him, you're gonna to have to drop like thirty bucks, like almost three times what he's actually what? what the retail you know suggested retail price is for this. And so, you know, I had some credit on Amazon. I had about two thousand yen of credit, and I was looking at Amiibo one night, and I saw Shulk, and I was like, "Hey, cool! There's Shulk, and it's three thousand yen." What? And hey, there's Mega Man. He's two thousand yen. <laughs> That's only a little bit more. That's like 800 yen. Yeah, right? but since is I... This, is this from a retailer or is it from a person? Or? I think it was actually from a shop because Amazon must not have any like directly anymore. So mm-hmm. basically that's what's happening. Somehow, even with the pre-orders, Amazon might not... Maybe they just feel uncomfortable with committing like, hey, we have this amount or something like that. Or maybe I just got in way too late in the party, which is probably what happened. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I, you know, considering that I had this credit... I figured, why not just use this and buy both of these figures? And it's essentially about, you know, 3,000 yen, about 1,500 yen each, a figure. What the hell? I mean, I should and could have used it on something that <laughs> that was actually useful in my life. But I decided yes. to... Anything, anything. <laughs> yeah, anything else. But I decided to buy these. And now oh, Danny. Now they're just sitting here on my floor unopened, like laying sideways. Because I haven't bothered to even... <laughs> Oh, do anything with them yet so yeah great purchase that's what they want you to do yeah I, yeah i'm not i'm not i really don't care i think i think the shulk's cool i think you know mega man look cool so i, I have no problems with it you, you take them out the boxes right yeah i do yeah i mean i think i'd mentioned on that special with josh that you know i i have a, a decent uh, meager semi-substantial i don't even know how to even describe it star wars collection of stuff that's like in the box but I mean, with these Amiibo, I actually want to use these things. And if I'm going to keep it in the box and try to use it, and you have to, like, mutilate the box to do that, I don't know. That just takes away from it for me if I'm going to do that. So 
I figured I'd rather just hold these things in my hand. So, hopefully, one day my Yoshi and your Shulk can battle it out to the death. One of these days. <laughs> yeah, is a is a complete bastard, my Yoshi. By the way, I can't beat him anymore. <laughs> He's like level forty five. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, one kind of interesting thing that just popped up here. Uh, recently on Nintendo's website, NTL's website, is uh, Nintendo is actually initiating like this additional production of specific scarce amiibo specifically for the Japanese market. And um, right now they said they're basically starting production on these and it takes about two months for the amiibo to be all, what, however many they're going to make for all of them to be produced. And they, they even, it's kind of interesting, they kind of said that, you know, the production talking about the production uh, process, how even there are some parts that they actually have to put on by hand and stuff like that. I thought that was interesting. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, some Chinese uh, university students do anyway. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, despite, you know, again, this is out of the investor meeting that, you know, 11% of worldwide Amiibo shipments are in Japan. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, the interest is not anywhere near as big as what it is in the U.S., or even Europe or anything, but, I mean, it's still getting really difficult to find figures outside of Mario and Pikachu. Right. Well, that feeds into an article that we ran on the site, right, about how it, it turns out that Amiibos were not really aimed at the Japanese market. Right. Like, for, you know, the Americans and the Europeans who like big toys. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's funny to call Amiibos big toys. Yeah. They're only, they're only, like, you know, what, like 10 centimeters tall or whatever. Yeah, if even you know, I, I see bigger figures in Japan. Like, oh, yeah. people buy freaking, you know, you know, massive Gundam figures that take up half the living room. And that's quite literally half the living room when you're talking about Japanese living rooms. Yeah, I mean, Josh, <laughs> he, gets, he has, like, all these cool, like, Japanese-exclusive Transformers. And, like, he has one that is, like, seriously, like, two or three feet tall. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, so, I mean, that's probably some kind of a niche thing, but I didn't even really realize that, well, I mean, this is what Iwata is saying. He's Japanese. He probably knows a little bit more about this stuff than I do, but I didn't really <laughs> consider Amiibo to be big, but what the hell right. do I know? So, Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, mm, I mean, Ty has always gone on about how they should fit them into Gachapon toys, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, maybe that's what people want. <sighs> That's what Ty wants. It is. It is. But Ty just wants them for 100 yen. <laughs> I don't think that's what he's going for. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Actually, I'm looking at um, a little figure of uh, Luigi that I got from a catch-upon toy. Mm -hmm. And he uh, kind of looks like an amiibo, but he's just, you know, like a quarter of the size. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. I got that for like 200 yen out of a catch-upon machine. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> I'm yeah, I could see those kind of things going down better, but who knows? And it, would they even, what would they do? Would they be the same functionality as a regular Amiibo or would it be something else? You would think that if they released some kind of a cheap version that they would gimp them. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, they talked about the cards and doing stuff like that. I would imagine that they'd probably be priced pretty similarly if they're going to have the same kind of functionality. I, right, right. Probably. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that considering that's a piece of paper or plastic, but... Maybe it's um, you know like a read-only uh, read thing, um, not a read-and-write thing. Uh, maybe, maybe the read-and-write thing costs a little bit more. They're like you know one thousand two hundred, and then the read-only ones are you know half price. Sure. Something like that. Maybe something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, this might actually be all for the amiibo talk for the rest of the episode. So, <laughs> if you're into true. amiibo, I hope you got your fix. 
So, but other than that stuff, I mean, that's pretty much all my new business. That's all that's been going on with me, man. So, okay. Well, uh, uh, Ty and Sai have been waiting outside the studio very patiently in the freezing cold. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I guess we should let them in now. Yeah. See if they're still alive. Uh, and you never know, Sai might have something to say about amiibos. True, true. The scalper that he is. <laughs> yeah, true. So, yeah. Should we let them in and uh, yeah, say goodbye to you, Danny? We should, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. So, Okay. Well, uh, you go ahead and plan your wedding. <laughs> see what I can do. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you at the party, I guess. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, then, dude. I'll uh, speak to you later. Okay. Okay then, so, uh, tie and sigh, make yourself comfortable, take your shoes off please. Uh, you must be pretty cold, been standing out there for the past half an hour. Yeah. So yeah, um, Ty, the guy who um, is so good at fighting games, has actually got the word hurt in his uh, surname, Mr. Yeah. Ty Sugar. It's me. How's it going? How's it going? Yes, they can um, internet pain. And a guy who's just finished uh, a flight with 50 convicts and uh, just managed to land it with the plane still slightly on fire. It's uh, Cyrus Delaney. And I got away scot-free, unlike everyone else. Indeed. Cyrus, as always, it's a great honor for you to be on my podcast. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> so, I have yeah. said as much on many occasions. So, yeah, we're just going to continue with the new business. Um, uh, we have just finished talking about Majora's Mask 3D. I don't think anyone else has been playing that, so we're going to move along. And I'm going to continue with uh, a little update with uh, Batman Arkham Origins, which I talked about last episode, um, which I uh, maybe prematurely said I haven't been having any of the glitchy problems <laughs> that most uh, users have been having. I think no, no sooner as I'd recorded that podcast, I went, I played the game later that night and uh, experienced some pretty heavy glitching in that game. I mean, uh, maybe you guys have played more. Um, have you played any of the Batman uh, Arkham games? Yeah, I, I love the Batman or Arkham games. I, yeah. I've bought some of them, but I haven't played them yet. They're sitting in this mountain of games. Okay, you Lindemann in it. I, I did manage to go through most of Origins without much problems, but I did have a few significant issues with it. I don't, I don't have much experience with these huge, like kind of open worldy type games. But like, are things like you know glitching through walls and floors are those kind of like common in these kind of big games? <laughs> they, they can be, but I think actually. Batman thrives on them it's like it grows stronger the more you fall through the floors yeah i mean a couple of bugs every now and then is kind of inevitable right in that game because you have all these way way different circumstances and it's hard to program an open world especially like a city with you know people and things right 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 but it's not that bad usually so i had this experience where i kind of like you know doing one of my favorite moves is you know glide kicking someone in the back of the skull as you're flying over them 
and didn't uh, kill and, him. Though. Batman doesn't kill people. No, no, he doesn't kill people. He just he just crushed their spinal safe. cord yeah. Yeah. <laughs> into you know <laughs> the size of a postage stamp. But he's this totally fine. When you scan them, it just says unconscious, not dead. So <laughs> but anyway, I managed to like dive kick someone into the head and kind of go straight through the floor. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's one hell of a kick. Um, but yeah, he kind of like got stuck in the floor for a bit and then kind of popped out. Um, but yeah, it wasn't too bad, but it kind of like took me out of the uh, experience a little bit. Yeah, and... I, I had some frequent issues with, you know, like with Riddler, you have to like scan specific, uh, mm-hmm. specific evil bad guys and get the clues off them, or frequencies or something, can't remember. But yeah. the way the enemy mobs would sometimes spawn would be like, one guy would spawn inside a car or inside a building, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, well, I can't get him, and uh, I kind of need to. So yeah, I'd have to, like, leave that zone of the city and let all the enemies unload and then go back where he'd appear, hopefully not wedged between two solid walls. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's lo- yeah, there's lots of clipping going on. But, you know, I can, you know, the ragdoll physics or whatever, you know, kind of clipping yeah. through walls and people, you know, that's a, that's not, not too bad. It's kind of something to be expected with this kind of uh, yeah, game. But, with yeah, with pretty much every game at this point. Yeah, but there was this other moment where I was in, I was in a mission and I died kind of, it's one of those missions where you have to, you know, I almost said kill, but yeah, not kill, um, just you know, crush the skulls of uh, 12 guys in a room. And, um, you know, I, I got down to the last guy and I died, you know. And, uh, but I kind of, when it restarted, like, everyone, all the, the guys were gone out of the room. And I was like, oh, maybe I did kill that last guy. Because it was kind of like a, a situation where we kind of killed each other at the same time. Yeah. Uh, like, I died, and but I think I kind of hit the guy at the same time, but I, was, I wasn't quite sure. So I thought, like, I'd done that mission i thought i'd done that you know that room or something so i was searching for the next um you know checkpoint or thing to do and i couldn't find it then i realized i had to go back like a little bit further and redo this other part for it to initiate that same um yeah that same room again yeah yeah so that was a bit of a i don't know if it was a save little save glitch or something or i don't know what it was but um yeah, that room didn't reset when I died, which was a little bit annoying. But um, yeah, I didn't lose any, lose any progress, so you know, whatever. Whatever. Um, so yeah, but I'm really enjoying it, and yeah, I just love the atmosphere of this game. It's just it's so good. And yeah, which, I'm gonna. Which platform are you playing it on? Wii U. Oh wow. Yeah. Me. I noticed that game guys. actually has a decent shelf presence over here in Japan. Like. That game is kind of <laughs> everywhere on the Wii U areas. Yeah, for the for like eight thousand yen, probably right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd definitely be interested in getting Arkham City, the other yeah, the... Wii U game after mm-hmm. after I'm done with this one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and the other game, uh, I was planning on um, like I go to this this local Seven Eleven. I go like you know a couple of times a week. And uh, every time I go there, I always pass by this Hacko Boy download card, you know, and Danny was talking about this game and Minoru was talking about it on the uh, the 50th episode. And, you know, it sounded really good. And I, I, every time I saw the download card, I was like, you know, I think I might pick that up. And uh, I almost got around to picking it up and then uh, 
Danny, I was talking to Danny on the on Skype, you know, not on the show, just as a general chat, and he said that he was actually going to go and buy the download card because he liked the design so much. Weird. <laughs> and I was like, dude, if you're going to do that, what are you going to do with the code? You've already got the game, dude. And he was like, ah, it'd be fine. And I was like, well, can you give me the code? And he said, like, sure. I'll just, you know, give you the code. Oh, and now he wants nice. to keep the card. So he did. You know, it was coincidentally the, the, the same day I was planning on going and buying it myself. So it worked out pretty well. So, yeah, I've been playing that. This has kind of become my commute game. It's a very, you know, easy to you know, pick up and play, you know, whatever, five or six levels or a world in uh, the, the time it takes me to get to work. So it's um, yeah, it's really good for that. But yeah, I don't really have anything to add other than that. I think it's really awesome, and uh, I think uh, yeah, the t the timing. The reason why I'm talking about this game, even though it's you know we talked about it a couple of times already, is that it just got confirmed for the West uh, as Box Boy. So amazingly, uh, get your Danny's was right T-shirts, you know, out of the trash. <laughs> because um, <laughs> he he actually kind of predicted this um, with the Miiverse kind of showing up in English as Box Boy on the Japanese side of the game. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? So I yeah, do. he he was right. So yeah, it just got confirmed. And it, yeah, it is going to be called Box Boy! Exclamation <laughs> point. And uh, yeah, I think um, some guys at NWR have already played this, uh, the English version. Not that it needed much translating, <laughs> other than the, the words next level. Yeah, we talked <laughs> about it. It's yeah. a quick and easy yeah. uh, translation for sure. Exactly, yeah. All it the story. Still be 12 months delayed in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, actually. I think, yeah, only North America. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I could be wrong. Yeah, please understand. Sometimes. Gunvolt 2 just announced. Still waiting on that Gunvolt 1. Really? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I would highly recommend it. Ty, Ty, you haven't picked this up yet, Hacker Boy? No, I don't play my Nintendo platforms. Sorry. Okay, that's too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really really good, and um, I would highly recommend it. There's there's a couple of things that weren't mentioned last time, like um, you there's a interesting technique that you can do with, uh, other than making these blocks you know like tetris shaped blocks to make platforms to stand on you can actually kind of if there's like a small gap that you can't squeeze through you can kind of snake the boxes through the gap and and that will kind of uh, propel you through the gap so you, you know you, you don't just make boxes you can actually um, use it as a kind of almost like a rope to kind of pull you over places it can kind of um Link on to the other side, and it can pull you across places as well. I think is that's... that a deliberate feature or a weird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bug? It is. The, the 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 last box in the line goes red, and that means it's locked onto this other side, and then it'll pull you across. Yeah, it's ah. it's, it's integral to the game. There's puzzles based around it. Okay. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, and um, it definitely opens up a lot of uh, op you know puzzle opportunities. You know, you're making blocks, you're swinging across, you're pushing buttons and stuff. And um, another thing I noticed that there's a hint button, like it's it's on the bottom screen all the time. And if you if you push it, it asks you if you want to use one game coin, you know the coins that you earn by getting off your ass and walking around. Um, <clears throat> use one of those coins, and uh, it'll give you like it'll come up with like a silhouette of a of Hacker Boy making a shape, the shape that you need to do 
to get past that one obstacle. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you're completely stuck and uh, you're giving up, you can just... If you want to scrub it out. Scrub it out, yeah. yeah I know, I noticed a few games have started using that as a system to use up the coins, which is kind of cool, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... um. I, I honestly I haven't used it because I'm stuck. I just use it because I wanted to see what it did, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. That's who. Res that's who responsibility hey, is. Uh, a video game journalist. I yes. heard about this this website called Scrub Quotes. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> off the hook for this. <laughs> yes, and there's also a Meverse button, so you can you know post uh, you know screens direct to Meverse. From How do I crouch? <laughs> yes, actually, it's kind of funny because Hacko Boy is is the shape of a box, but he can't actually fit through a gap of a box because he's got legs, so that pushes him up over this height of a box. So it's right. kind of funny. That's why you need to use the aforementioned like snaking feature, not in the Mario Kart sense, <laughs> not that kind of snaking. Okay, it's called like Hacko Sneak or something like that um, in in Japanese. But yeah, Hacker Boy, get it. It's awesome. And uh, yeah. Be there or be square. Literally. <laughs> oh, no. I need to work for this company. That's thinking outside <laughs> the box. <laughs> Good. God, you guys are such a couple of squares. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's me done. Uh, now we're going to move on to Mr. Tai. It's me! Alright, um, so I've been playing a lot of Watch Dogs. Where, watch Dogs? Yeah, you find dogs and you watch them. It's really cute. You watch them or you watch them? Yes. You watch them while you watch them? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a very internet-heavy game. You like record videos of, of YouTube clips of watching the dogs, and then you yeah. have to use your net access to hack into other people's phones and show them them. Right. So you're playing you're playing this on Wii U, right? Yeah, we're we're pretending I'm playing this on Wii U. Awesome. Yeah, I I got it on the Xbox Live sale, so that <laughs> oh, was that nice was to have to put the Wii U version up. <laughs> I was gonna say that was good in Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know this game got a lot of hate from people, but I guess it reviewed well, and it's really seems like the kind of game I like, so I bought it. I've actually been looking forward to it for a long time. Um, I, think, I think it was just the discrepancy between the you know the shit hot looking PC version they showed at E3 to the you know the washed out console version that came later. Right. That, that was the biggest hate I think. Yeah, I remember like on the PC version, I heard they uh, artificially capped the graphics performance and with like. Uh, a small mod, you could boost the graphics output hugely. Right, it unlocked, it unlocked the high-res textures, which were just, for some reason, hidden in a folder somewhere. They're just yeah. encouraging you to be like in the game and hack the game. Yeah. It's, very, it's social commentary. Right? Uh, I, I definitely want to talk about the social commentary part on this. Like, you know, I, I, I love the whole anti-authoritarian vibe of the game. I like causing mayhem. I like shooting cops. Uh, 
<laughs> this is escalating rather rapidly here. Today. Yeah, right. So, so um, in the game, you know, there's the story mode stuff, and there's a lot of distractions where you go on vigilante missions, and there's one feature where you find an access point and you just invade someone's privacy. You just, like, look inside their house, and there's, like, you just spy on people. And it, it usually ends up being some, like, really funny or fucked up situation. Like, you know, people screaming at each other or... Um, so this is art imitating life. Because, yeah. You know, oh, it... <laughs> Isn't this what you get up to most of the time anyway? In games. <laughs> Totally in games. Yeah. Well, uh, let me continue here. So, there's a. I want to say it's almost very similar, a, a very meta online mode where all you do is observe another player and try not to be seen. If you watch another player tail them for like two or three minutes or whatever without being seen, you win. And they never know you're there if you do huh. it right. So. So earlier today, like I, I was uh, tailing some different players. Sometimes, you know, they're just doing a mission or they're just standing in a shot for like five minutes. <laughs> and I watched this guy <laughs> go into a parking lot, get in a car, and just like drive back and forth like into other cars and around in circles, <laughs> like he had no idea what he was doing. So your script quote uh, Twitter account just exploded that day. Uh, I I don't know how I could articulate what happened in like a tweet size. Okay. <laughs> but and then I watched this dude like just get on a motorcycle and tear off for about twenty meters, <laughs> then hit a divider and like fly off his bike. <laughs> and, and I'm just watching this dude like embarrass himself. <laughs> Like, this sounds like it would be a great let's play game where like you just record yourself watching other people do stupid shit in the game without dude, them realizing. I think I'm gonna stream some of this like tomorrow. <laughs> so so how would people ever know that they're being watched? Um, I, I take it your username isn't flashing above your head. Uh no. There's a notification that you joined their game or something, is there? Not in um Usually there there is for the other modes. Um, it's actually really cool. It's it has like, it's very much like an invasion like in Dark Souls where it just kind of integrates into the main game and you just show up. And there's a bunch of other modes you can do, but I want to talk about tailing a little more. If you if you do it perfectly, they never know you're there. Well, it, wouldn't the thing be like another Aiden pops into the game, right? No, there's no alert for tailing. But, like, do you look like Aiden? No, you look like a random NPC. Ah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of a huge giveaway if, like, everybody looked like like Aiden. So, so uh, it's, it's really funny. Another one that, that happened to me is, like, I was in the mid... I popped in in, like, a middle of, like, an intense, like, shootout mission. And it was, like, the most awkward thing ever. This dude's, like, up on a balcony, like, shooting, like, at 50 cops. And, and, like, I'm caught in the middle. I'm just, like, hiding behind a block, like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't find me. Wow. 
Yeah, and it makes me think back. To, like, I just finished the story. I'm like, I wonder how many times people watched me do stuff. And you never noticed they were there. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, yeah. how would you ever know that people, real people, are in your game? Yeah, I've been trying to figure that out. Like, after, like I haven't really explored this mode until more recently. So now, now that I've done a few, I'm getting really paranoid. <laughs> like... I'm not sure. Like, maybe if you notice, like, like if your game chops for a second, I think that might be, you know, swapping some data online. Mm -hmm. Or I, I think if your music cuts out, that might be a clue that someone's invading your game, but I'm not sure about that yet. Great maybe bad. some listener will tweet at me, or I'll figure it out later. If I was on that development team, I would deliberately put a tell into the game of when someone joins. Something not obvious. Yeah. But then I would trigger that tell randomly, even when no one joins. You should be able to use your microphone and just, like, you know... Start control, breathing. Control yeah. It reminds <laughs> me of... Daryl, Daryl. <laughs> right? Oh, man, that reminds me of when I played World of Warcraft, I would always play with my buddy. And he had a kind of crappy hard drive that would make a lot of noise when it was loading a new character model. So, <laughs> like, he had this spider sense of, like, when some rival faction or random player was coming into our questing area. And it was, like, shockingly <laughs> accurate. Like, he would listen to his hard drive make a certain sound. Yeah, I think I've had a computer that does that before. Yeah, so that was interesting. So, yeah, awesome. I do like Watch Dogs a lot. I highly so you, recommend it. So you've, you're done with the main campaign? It's just trolling people from now on? Yeah, well, I, I still have like 70% of the achievements to get. There's like, do this, <laughs> do that. It's a big city and lots of distractions. Sorry, did you say this was Xbone version? Yeah. Xbone, right, okay. Gotcha. It's true. Cool. Yeah. All right, what else have I been playing? Uh, Saints Row 4, another free-roving city game. Uh, it's silly as heck. It's fun. I like the dubstep gun. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, is that the one with that gun? Awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to talk about this game too much, but I do like the Saints Row series. I, I have all the games. I think I paid an average of, like, $2.50 for each of them. <laughs> But I enjoy is, them a lot. Is this the one where you're the president? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, well you're, you're technically the same character throughout all the games. Right. Who becomes you, the president, right. Yeah. And you can customize yourself. It, I remember the ver very first one, you could only have, like, a male character, and you could never have a female character. And then, like, in the second one, people would ask you about your appearance all the time, and your character would say, plastic surgery. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I, I change my appearance a lot in those games actually, and try to like make the most ridiculous characters I can. Like you play male with like full sexual appeal settings on your schlong. Yeah, and then like the Nolan Ryan. <laughs> uh, what's his name? The guy that does the voice of Deadpool. Nolan. Oh, something Nolan Reynolds. No, the. The cartoon voice actor. Something Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds? No, Ryan that's Reynolds. Like, that, that's the actor that, that played him in the live movie. 
Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I'm talking about some voice actor with an amazing voice, and you can select his voice. Cool. But I, I, I played through Saints Row 3 as, like, an enormous black woman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would play with my buddy who had, like, this perfect copy of uh, Ali G. I. <laughs> Booyakasha. So you've gone uh, two games without mentioning a fighting game, Ty. So, oh. uh... Who are you and what have you done with Ty? Yeah. Oh, here we go. I'm going to talk about Killer Instinct. I am shocked. Ty, didn't you talk about fighting games for two and a half hours on a different podcast? I did. It was mostly to get out of my system, but this is <laughs> actually relevant to Japan this time. Okay. Um, there's a few Killer Instinct tournaments going on. Um... I played in OGT's online Killer Instinct tournament. I I got second. Whoa. <laughs> the grand finals were pretty hilarious and kind of embarrassing. So like I lost 6-0 to a guy I put in losers bracket. What? Yeah. So there's some fun matches there. And, uh, it should also should be pointed out that since Killer Instinct is on like the Xbox One, and this is a Japanese tournament, was there more than two people in this tournament? Yeah, there, <laughs> there, there, was, there were like a dozen people or something. Ty and the other, the other white guy who plays yeah. Killer Instinct in Japan. <laughs> right, white people. <laughs> are there good Japanese players of Killer Instinct in Japan? Yeah, yeah there are. Like... Uh, Shoutouts to Ogti and uh, Tonosama and Orumen. Those, those are some guys I know off the top of my head. They're pretty good. I guess, uh, did the arcade versions ever come out in Japan? Like, uh, of, of 1 and 2? Technically, no, but some people did import the machines. Jesus Christ. That's yeah. a heck of a cost. Probably. It, this is also way back in the 90s. So right. I, I haven't seen any in Japan myself, but maybe they exist. That'd be like the same the same cost as importing a car from America, wouldn't it? Maybe maybe they only got the boards and like put them in a hey a cabinet. Yeah, because you That's can do that. Idea. Yeah. Now you're thinking. So yeah, I guess uh, just the SNES versions then, and the N64 Gold. Yeah, the <laughs> 64 never version again. never came out in Japan. Oh, right. Uh, Actually, no. none of them came out in Japan. No way. Yeah. You Super know what? Nintendo and 64 Killer Instinct did not come out in Japan. I'd, I would really like to play the Killer Instinct 1 arcade game, which I think is it a hidden, or not hidden, but like a bonus feature in the X-Bone version, right? Yeah, Killer Instinct 1 and 2, their bonuses if you get like the, the premium versions of Season 1 and Season 2. Which you have? Yeah. Awesome. And they both support online play. No way, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I used to love the the arcade version of, of one back in the day, but it's such an expensive um game to play back in the day that, you know, I couldn't play it that much. But just looking I just used to love looking at all the fancy CG which are probably hilariously bad right now. Yeah. Uh, oh I actually outros. I actually played uh, Killer Instinct Arcade in England. No way. I put in... <laughs> yeah, I was... I was... Uh, it's I birthplace. Was a lay, layover, 
at the airport there. I never left the airport, but I was there all day. And I actually did put some British pounds or whatever. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Into an arcade machine. Doubloons. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I, was fun. Back when I was a kid, Killer Instinct was like the first game that I was old enough to appreciate fighting games. Like, I used to mash out in Street Fighter 2, but Killer Instinct was like, hey, you can actually kind of play this tactically. So I used yeah. to play it in the arcade the whole time then. Those are the days. Putting my Irish pounds into the machine or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I too went totally gonzo for that game. The, played it the, so much. You think that the like the SNES version is like, it's quite similar, you know, graphically, but when you see the arcade version, you're like, oh, no, it isn't. There's so much lip missing from it, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, the yeah. arcade version was so pretty. It was like so years good. ahead of its time visually. With that ad for the Ultra 64 at the start in the intro. Yeah. Coming to Ultra 64 soon, or 1994 or something, I don't know. I'm so glad they did a callback to that when they announced the game for Xbox One. Really? The Ultra? Yeah, yeah well, they said coming... Uh, what? They used the same announcer voice saying coming in whatever year, only to Xbox One. Project Natal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun to use that the code been, name for the, whatever the Xbox One. Okay. So, uh, yes. about Japan and Killer Instinct, there's a couple tournaments coming up. There's one in Osaka that I'm totally not going to because it's in Osaka. That's next month. <laughs> and then there's a, a Combo Clash tournament in Japan. That's kind of a series going on in America. Um, I don't know the finer details of that, but it's happening. And um, there may be a series coming up. I may have some surprises in store for next month. I'll talk about that later. It's kind of on the DL. Quick question. What nationality is Jago? He's from Tibet. Okay. So the, there are no Japanese uh, But he is ethnically characters. Japanese. Uh, okay. I was going to say. Assuming they they haven't thrown out the old canon, they they might be kind of revising some story stuff in the game. But like, Killer you know, Jago and Orchid are Japanese, separated at birth. Jago was raised in Tibet. He's in Tibet, and then he says a lot of fake Japanese. I guess. <laughs> right. Well, I'm gonna have to step in with a combo breaker and pass it on to. Mr. Sai. Yo, yo. Oh, we didn't talk about the new character, though. She's Japanese. <laughs> you can't break a combo breaker with another combo breaker. Actually, you can. There's you a can. Counter There's counter breakers now. Oh, God. Counter breaker, <laughs> yeah. And you're just going to get hit for like 70% damage. Please, no. just click the YouTube I linked. And there's a, there's a Japanese character... She's Too long, crazy. didn't read. She's 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 Sadako from The Ring. The end. Yeah, that's right. She's a spooky ghost. Oh yeah, I did see comes that. out of your TV.
Okay, Mr. Sai, please, to be understanding. I shall endeavor to do that. But, uh, yeah, so I've been playing Zelda Link Between Worlds recently. What? A Nintendo game? Imagine that. It's not like I was coerced into playing it at all. But the, I like, I'm a huge fan of Zelda games, even though I don't play many of them. So, uh, like, I'm constantly kind of have this battle between Ocarina and Link to the Past as to which is my favorite. Me too. So, I think I'm still kind of leaning towards Ocarina, but going to Link Between Worlds was like, oh yeah, Link to the Past is like super amazing. I've still yet to play Link Between Worlds. So, what my first impression of Link Between Worlds was that it's it's like a direct sequel almost to Link to the Past. Like it's set <laughs> in this. Are you, are you playing the Japanese version? No, I played it through in English. Well, in, the Japanese version is called literally called A Link Between Worlds Two in Japanese. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, but it's in a typical Zelda sense of a sequel in that. It's not a sequel to anything that has happened previously. It's just set in the same place. Right, right, right. Which is kind of a weird thing because it's literally set in the same place, like the same world map as in Link to the Past, mm-hmm. but in full 3D, but no one remembers anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> But that kind of, that, that was the first thing that was cool. When I first played it, it was like, hey, cool, it's the same map. And then later it was like, wait, this is the same map. I kind of know everything <laughs> about this game. And a lot the music is um, well, yeah, like re- remixed or remastered. You know, it's remixed, which the music does is really really good. But I think the new the new tracks in the game are almost far better than the previous ones. Really? Like they they slavishly stick to the old ones with the remixes. So they're they're kind of just updates. They're not. There's nothing really to them. But then they bring in these new tracks and they like they really show off what they can do with the with the music. Like they, they add in vocals, they add in clapping and all this other sound effects. But the previous version songs are all very much stick to the classics. So you would 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 this inspire you to go back and play the original link uh, uh link link to the past? I cleared that again last year, so I wasn't particularly interested. And uh, I could see it being, if people had never played Link to the Past and they bought this game and someone said, oh, hey, this is like a sequel to this other game, I, I would say people would definitely go back and play the other one. Nice. Fun fact, I've never replayed a Zelda game. Link to the Past and Twilight... And, uh, Ocarina are the only ones I've replayed. Uh, I've replayed basically the first four because those are the only ones that are real to me. The first four? Yeah. That's what? Zelda, Zelda 2, Link to the Past, and Link's Awakening? That's right. The good ones. <laughs> well, you, my friend, should play Link Between Worlds because it's very, very good. Yeah, I'm interested in it. My only complaint about the game, aside from the world being really similar, which I got over later and started really enjoying again, is that it's so easy. It is unbelievably easy. Okay, I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> I was 
I already had that in my head before he said it. Yeah, it's like the whole way through the game, I was just like, man, this game is so good. The level design is some of the best level design I've ever seen in a Zelda game. It's so clever. It it's one of the only games that ever that I felt, man, I should be playing this in 3D because the levels are clearly designed to use the 3D camera. Right. And uh but it's just so easy. All the boss battles are like really interestingly designed, but you could play them with your eyes closed. You never feel like you're in danger of dying. Uh so so the the dungeons are based around like you can actually go in any order, right? You can Yeah, that's and that's the other interesting thing is they really mixed up how Zelda works. You can like the game is very money based. So you can instead of having a cap of nine 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 rupees, you have a cap of nine 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 rupees. Because you you're spending shit all the time. Right. And uh so you can you can rent all of the weapons in the game right from the start. And huh. some of the, some of the uh, dungeons are based around specific weapons, but you, do you actually need them to complete? That yeah. Dungeon? So so before you enter a dungeon, usually there'll be like a door you have to open to enter the dungeon, and to open that door, you'll need a specific weapon. Right. And it'll kind of it'll show you as like, hey, you'll need a bomb to open this. And, uh, I have a question. Yes. Can you shoplift weapons? No, you can't. <laughs> because you can do that in. Link's in Link, Link's Awakening, which is hilarious. Good feature. There is a throwback to that of uh, of stealing stuff and having repercussions for it later on, but I won't spoil it on the on the podcast. But okay. they do they do have a kind of a shout out to that. You get labeled thief for the rest of the game, right? But uh, like the the weapons. So the way the weapons work is, you can just the all the weapons in the game are available, and you can spend. You spend like 20 rupees, something really inconsequential to rent them. But if you die at any, if you die at any point, you all the weapons you're currently renting will go back to the shop. And and then if you want to rent them again, you have to go back to the shop and pay the guy another 20 rupees. Sounds like a non-issue since you apparently never die. Yes, exactly. You <laughs> never die. See, the the renting thing is not an issue. But if you're terrified of dying anyway for some strange reason. You can you can eventually buy all the weapons for like like eight hundred to sixteen hundred rupees each. But theoretically, you can get the best weapon in the game for essentially nothing at the start of the game. Yeah, so they do they do encourage you to buy them later on because uh, if you own the weapon, you can upgrade it later with this other character. Ah. And it gives it like way advanced effects. But yeah, you can buy the fire rod like straight out of the gate. And you can buy the ice rod right from the start. So you can't upgrade rented weapons, is that what you're saying? No, you have to own them. It shows okay. like in your inventory it'll show a little icon to show that you're just renting it. Gotcha. So have you finished it? Yeah, I finished it. I blew through it in, in a few days. It's uh it's a decent length and it it's really, really fun. Like it's so fun. But it's just so easy. It's just so... (laughs) It's like, oh. It's the only game. I've played a lot of easy games in my life, but it's the only game where I've played it going, man, I wish... I just wish this was harder. Like... It's a game that really feels like it's too easy. Gotcha. 
I can't think of like, too many uh, too many easy Zelda games. Um, yeah, that's. I think that might be why this is so crushing. Is that it's like, it 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 feels like a design flaw. Not like, hey, we'll make this an easy Zelda game. It just feels like I'm in debug mode and I'm invincible. I mean, I can't think of any Zelda games I haven't died once on. Maybe some I've died less than others, but... I did die twice in this. Once, I the first time I died, I like accidentally died within two screens of starting the game. Some bizarre... <laughs> I don't know how I managed it. And I was like, this is so stupid, I'm not even going to quit and restart my file. I'm going to have that one death as a, as a reminder of how stupid that was. And <laughs> how did you manage that? I, I, I honestly, I can't even remember. I think I repressed you it. Didn't, you didn't pick up a weapon and you just ran into an enemy a hundred times? Yeah. I, it was one of, you know, those little stupid little kind of green mushroom dudes that kind of yeah. wobbled around the place? Yeah. And I just think I just walked into three of those, like one after the other. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So do you have any um, any other news? Any Amiibo, amiibo updates? Your, scalp, um, your scalping is continuing? Scalp well, I do have this mark in box that I, I'm I'm reserving for, for if any amiibo that does come up, I can be like, hey, you want a mark for that? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is like trading. Yeah, that's my that's my my golden egg. He's gonna sit there for a while. You, you're trading these for other amiibos, not like human. Yeah, so ones. if I have all the amiibo that I want, like I don't think I want any other ones aside from what I have now, which is about six. But if in the future some rare amiibo pops up that I didn't manage to grab that I actually wanted, that's where Marth comes in. He'll have his day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think we're pretty much done with new business. Hmm. So we're going to move on to a bit of news. Okay, so the first um, thing I've got written down here, we neglected to talk about this in the last uh, couple of episodes, it's been known about for a while, but there are these golden amiibos um, that are coming to the US, at least for now, um, and they're going to be Walmart exclusive. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think there's a golden one and a silver one. They were leaked a couple of weeks before they were announced. Um, but yeah, they have been confirmed to be a, a Walmart exclusive. I'm not sure about the silver one. Yeah, but the silver uh, one hasn't had any mention, so everyone's kind of like, hey. Yeah, so the, the weird thing is, I mean, uh, there hasn't been any European announcement as far as I'm aware of, but um, also there is no Japanese announcement. Um, so this, this kind of, I thought it would be an interesting point to make that, you know, America has this great tradition of uh, exclusives, you know, retailer exclusives. You know, get Batman's, you know, pink underpants if you down if you pre-order at, you know, GameSpot or whatever, right. GameStop. Um, and there is, yeah, there is a similar thing in uh, in the UK at least. Anyway, um, we don't have as many stores. We've got like, you know, we've got Game, 
<laughs> which is not doing so well. I'm not even sure if it exists anymore. Ireland doesn't have any games anymore. They all retreated to UK. Um, and then there's the supermarkets, and that's about it, really. But like GameStop you know, too. Yeah, I mean, the states has so many, right? But yeah. Japan does not have this uh, tradition of retail exclusives, um, like at all. I mean, not not that I'm aware of, anyway. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, they might have shops that have let you pre-order games uh, first, just because they're a huge retailer or whatever, but. Um, that's not to mean that it's exclusive to that shop. So, uh, speculation on how this could go down in Japan, like these golden amiibos, right? I'm sure they're going to come out everywhere eventually. So, uh, I was wanted to know what you guys would think. How would Nintendo, you know, NCL Japan, how would they go about, you know, selling these golden amiibos in Japan without um. having the retail exclusives? Maybe, um, I, w I w almost wanted to say Club Nintendo, but... Yeah, that's about to come to an end, so... Yeah, I think that's what everyone thought at first when these were leaked, was like, hey, that's a, that's a Club Nintendo award, and then maybe the same we... day, we're closing down Club Nintendo! Yeah, maybe whatever they replace Club Nintendo with, I right. guess. Or maybe, like, as part of a bigger package, like, you know, game name... Premium edition comes with this super amiibo. Mario Party 10, I think that's the game. Yeah. That's yeah. Been, uh, yeah. Problem is that Mario Party around. 10 already comes with the Mario amiibo, the standard Mario amiibo in box. Yeah. So, like as usual, I can only really respond to this with cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the thing, though. The it doesn't actually cost any more. Than a normal amiibo, this yeah, golden it's, one, it's, it it's regular may, price. It may cost, like even to produce by Nintendo, it may cost even less because it's just got the same. It's one color of paint on it, so. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. It's plastic in an RFID chip. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to cost a fortune to make. It's pure gold. Um, well, it's gold for Nintendo in the sense. Yo, that... I legit saw people yeah. like hypothesizing that was actually the case with some of these ones. <laughs> Don't underestimate the Amiibo crowd. Wow. So, yeah. So <laughs> that's what I mean. I have, you couldn't put it in a Mario Party 10, you know, super mm. ultra deluxe, you know, for 10,000 yen because there would be a normal Mario one. If they had a normal Mario Amiibo one for, you know, 6,000 yen. Yeah, just, no. It, they couldn't do that, right? Well, they yeah, could do it with a different game. They could do it with a game that's not announced yet. So, I mean, it's getting to be the, the time of year right before they start announcing new games that are going to come out in time for Christmas, I think, or next year. So my one other idea was that uh, a couple of years ago they had all of these exclusive um, 3DS designs that were... It wasn't Club Nintendo, but I think the it was kind of a lottery selected by you know heavy users of Club Nintendo. And you could enter, and you could win one of you know a thousand of these units. I think there was like a Mario one and a and a Toad one. This is way before the new 3DS and the the face plates and all that bullshit. Um, yeah, and these became super you know you know 
rare because there's so few of them made and they were only in Japan. So I was thinking it would be something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah Japan that... does love its lotteries. It so maybe... love... Yeah, I was going to say, that that sounds like the, the way to do it in Japan. Yeah. They could even do something like, you know, in 7-Eleven you can go in and buy a ticket for like yeah, 500 yeah. yen, you win like an A to F level prize and run some sort of Nintendo promotion with a gold amiibo as the, the A prize. So yeah, and basically, that's where but... I got all my Fist of the North Star clear files and hand towels. <laughs> I'm I'm rocking it out on a Pikachu pillow here from those same lotteries. <laughs> so yeah, they'll probably designate like a thousand to the whole of Japan, <laughs> you know, and then put them in a lottery or something, right? So um, yeah, as usual, um, the Americans probably are gonna end up having the best deal, even though they complain the most about it. <laughs> so yeah we'll see what happens anyway so Sai go ahead next uh, on the agenda yeah so there's this thing called the My Famicase exhibition and uh, it's coming up in Kichioji and so the main deal with this it's like an exhibition where people design custom Famicom or original Nintendo game cases Right, right. And then, uh, the, the cartridges themselves. Right? Yeah, the cartridges, not the cases, sorry. We're, and then it's just like an art exhibition. So we, people put like whatever they want. It can be anything on the, the the case. So some people do like just stylish new cases for old games or they do like a joke cover or right. whatever. It can be anything. And they even say in the entrance requirements like, yo, do anything in those exact words. Yeah, it's just like a little, I think it's a little art gallery somewhere. Yeah. Georgia, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I just cool. Google image searched my Famicase, and I'm having a great time already. <laughs> there's something cool about those Famicom cartridges, isn't there? How there's so many different colors of them. Hmm, I think that's where it came from. It's not like the Atari 7800 where it's black with label. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, well, and in the U.S., like all the Nintendo cartridges, they're all of like the same super boring gray design. Yeah, only is it only Zelda that's the exception? Yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I might be wrong, I but I think, think the past to someone, I never got that gold cartridge back. I think I later think... on, like the the re-releases of the NES games were regular gray. Actually, Killer Instinct had a black case too. Okay, well, when we that... get to Super Nintendo, there's there's a few oh, yeah. exceptions. Yeah, I think there's a yellow Donkey Kong Country one, right? Mm. Yeah, that that was Nintendo 64, where there's even more exceptions. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can spurg out about this for a few minutes if you want. <laughs> <laughs> like so, uh, so Killer Instinct on the SNES, that was black, right? Yeah, yeah. and there yeah. were a couple of red cartridges. There was Maximum Carnage and Doom. Those were like this bright red. Oh yeah, the Doom one looked atrocious. I, I think had, it looked cool. I had Doom. <laughs> I had Doom on the SNES. I, it wasn't red. Maybe the European one wasn't red. Yeah, I don't think the European one would be. Ooh. And then yeah, 64. There were there were some like random colors. There were like some random black ones. I think the the second truck game was black. Um, yes, it was. In yeah, too. let's see. I think like the Army Men one. Ones were green. The Donkey Kong Country was yellow. I think there oh, was God. one or two blue ones. Like Tony Hawk was blue, maybe. Well, that's a random game to get a custom color. Yeah. And yeah, on the Game Boy, they'd had lots of uh, yellows. Um... Yeah, Donkey Kong Land was yellow. I know that one. 
I think some of the Pokemon in games in Japan were like maybe green. Oh, or maybe, yeah, actually, yeah. Pokemon Red was red. Pokemon Blue yeah, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think my Pokemon, Pokemon Blue was blue. Clear case. Yeah, yeah I think probably Game Boy has the most uh, range. I think. Maybe. Yeah. But cool. yeah, in uh, Japan, like all the Famicom games are all these crazy different colors, mm. like. Illuminous pink is the one, right? Yeah, I mean, you can walk into like Super Potato or just Google like anybody's Famicom collection. There, there. Every game is a different color almost. Yeah, it's hard to say that what is the standard color. Like, what was the first three Mario Brothers games that were their color? I guess red. The Famicom I would, red. Automatically, I'd imagine it was white, but I don't really know. God, I even have the cartridges and I'm blanking on it. <laughs> um, I'm googling yeah. it now. They were yellow. Really? What? Yeah. So a... Yellow was the standard for a while for most of them. Yeah. Nintendo, you got weird taste. And then Super Mario USA was pink. <laughs> Fair Cause enough. Because it's, it's foreign and weird. Yeah, but for this my Famicase thing, it's like it's pretty cool because it's totally open to the public. Anyone can submit art to it. And uh, is it free entry? I think, it I think yeah, it is free entry. You just send oh. it off, and then they they put all the entrants up on a website, and you can vote to uh, to see which which ones will actually be put into the exhibition. Oh, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Uh, I think I, I I think I'll totally enter this. This seems actually pretty interesting. So, uh, let me tell you about making your own video game case labels. Um, I am intrigued. So I I did this for a couple of games. Maybe I can find one that I made. Um, (laughs) So for like a DVD case, like Xbox 360 games, um, uh, the width of like a US standard paper will fit exactly into it. So you can very easily grab a template and make like an ironic joke <laughs> cover for any of your 360 games which I did and I think you'll laugh if I show you these but yeah let's move on let's link them up in the uh, the show notes maybe in the forums yeah let's do it okay uh, moving on to a little teensy bit of possibly interesting information um so the Mario Kart 8 webpage, um, which I think is mariokart.tv or something, uh, in Japan at least, they have started selling the DLC on the webpage online. And if you click it and buy it, it'll actually you know, uh, appear on your account on your Wii U and uh, you can download it. So wait, I wait, wait. Took... This, this sounds suspiciously like you're saying Nintendo is aware that you can make internet. online purchases from yep. a website yep. about a game on exactly. one of their consoles. Amazing, right? I think about three years ago, um, Iwata said that they were going to have like a an eShop website where you could buy you know, uh, eShop games and full retail games and have it start downloading on your system. Uh, it's 2015, still hasn't happened yet. He was um, but, promptly given a gag order by Nintendo higher-ups. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is kind of, at least what I took it as a hint that, you know, it's kind of probably on the way pretty soon. I'm, 
I'm sure that this is a you know like a test run kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, let's try it. No, not it's not a full game. It's just a DLC. Um, but let, let's see how it goes, kind of thing. So, they have a single server. Yeah, <laughs> running. Like one guy, and just in the office, he turns it on in the morning when he comes in. <laughs> yep, a hamster wheel, a full <laughs> pelt. So yeah, it's uh, it's like the future is here in 2015, yeah, and when I say future, I mean 2005. So yeah, story Ty. of Nintendo. Uh, Ty, do you want to read the next one? Uh, yes. Do 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 do. You have to tell us about it too. You don't just read it to yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Quest Five. Concert yes. conducted by Koichi Sugiyama. That's a thing that's happening. And there's a Blu-ray. If you like Dragon Quest V, if you like concerts, if you like video game music, and I know I do, you might want to get this Blu-ray. I think the concert's already happened. I think this is yeah, just the, this is the, the Blu-ray. Yeah. Blu a, a physical media. Ho, 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 ho. So it'll probably start at a lot, at least 13,000 yen in Japan. Didn't we just finish a segment about how physical media has been reduced to, like, a piece of art and not, like, something people actually use? Well, Except um, in Japan, where you can still buy floppy disks and all your local Daisos. Oh. Uh, my wife rented uh, a whole bunch of audio CDs <laughs> last week. And are there like, any VHS rentals near where you are? <laughs> I know I've Probably. seen them as recently as a few years ago. There are some in my town. You can rent VHSs here. Wow. <laughs> there's a little there's a little bar near to my place, and there's a kind of a faded sign in the window where that says Laserdisc here, <laughs> <laughs> and it cracks me up every time. It's amazing. Yeah, you go to I, the town like a couple of towns over from me. Uh, it's called Otsuki. There's a small little game shop, and it's a cool game shop because it's one of those mom and pop ones. Do you never know what you're gonna find in there? Right. But they still have like all their their PS1 and PS2 games at full price, sun faded <laughs> for being in the window. Oh, brilliant! And all all these like bizarre peripherals that you've never heard of, still at like a hundred dollar equivalent. Yeah. Ironically, that, that some of those might actually be becoming cheap again. You know, they've got some rare stuff in there. That, uh, but they still got an original price. That's, <laughs> That's where I got my mark. No one knew about that shop. I'm like, I bet that shop has some rare amiibo. Stadium events for like, you know, <laughs> 5,000 yen or something. <laughs> oh, man. It's good to know the rare games off the top of your head so you can flip them on eBay. I've, I've made it. <laughs> No, no joke. I made a few hundred bucks just knowing off the top of my head, like which cartridges go for fifty to a hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any left in Super Potato because that's like most, that's like most, the go-to. That's where all the gaijins go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you have to go to like some small town book off. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, this Dragon Quest thing, like. Uh... I feel like I've been missing out on a lot of these. Like Square Enix have been really running a lot of these concerts for their games lately, like Final Fantasy concerts, Dragon Quest concerts, and uh, I feel I should go to more of these because they're pretty cool. Dragon Quest Terrorism is coming out soon, mm. and I love me some Final Fantasy Terrorism. So uh, 
like I my my Japanese 3DS has nothing but music games on it. It's oh, so you've got entirely two, You've got two 3DSs together. Yeah, I've got my EU like... 3DS that I had before I or that I got just after I got here, and then I really wanted to play um, that that Project Mirai, the the Hatsune Miku music game on the 3DS. Okay, so, let's uh, move on to the next topic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 3DS is all over the shop. <laughs> so, yeah, last thing, uh, last bit of news we got here is there's a, a Yokai Watch event coming up very soon, actually, on the 21st of March. And, uh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is kind of like a real-life event. So they've got, like, you know, the Yokai Watch characters and stuff, and they're going to decorate this town to look look like kind of yokai watch themed maybe they're going to have the characters stro- strolling around and stuff wow it's, it's it's called one wonderland um yeah it's already like it's supposed to be a like a classical japan town like it's already an old like edo period looking town right, right and all right. this all the people are like they're kind of actors they work they live there in like full edo period stuff Exactly, exactly. If there's any British people listening, it's like Beamish, but uh, Japanese version. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you, with me? You, you have no idea what I'm talking about? Beamish no, no, museum. no, I don't. I'm not associated with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically yeah, like an old British town where everyone's acting like it's the 1800s. Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly what Sai just said. Um, but they're gonna have you know the yokai watch characters uh, running. Around. Yeah, th- this event sounds super cool. If I had any interest in yokai watch, this would be really cool. Even as an adult, this sounds like a really fun event. Yeah, and you For can the... win stickers and exclusive yeah. merchandise there if you take part in the games and go around and do all the activities and everything. Yeah, you've got like it, it's framed as like a mystery you have to solve, where they give you a map and instructions. You have to go around the town on like a treasure hunt. So that's it cool. sounds pretty cool. Oh yes, Edo Wonderland. That's what it's called. Yeah. The theme park, or I don't know if you can call it a theme park, but a theme. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess it's the true definition of a themed park, isn't it? It's a theme. The Edo area, Edo yeah. era theme. Yeah. So yeah, please to enjoy. If you like Japanese history and <laughs> children's anime, uh, yeah, go to it. I have uh, one of the Yokai Watch characters uh, on my desk, a big old doll. The red one? No, the blue one. Is uh, the same one of the Nyans that? The yes. Blue Nyan? Oh, Nyan. Like, he's like the cool ninja Nyan. Yeah. yeah. He's got got. I, I, he looks like. Uh, Tetsuo from Akira, I always thought. He's got, like, that that red cape. <laughs> the big, giant, cancerous growth coming out of his arm. Right. So I know one thing about Yokai Watch. That blue cat is Fuyunan. I've never, I've never hey. seen the show. Talking about uh, knowing how much stuff is worth, you know, those um, tokens that go for crazy amounts of money on Japanese auction sites. So if you ever oh. see those um, discs or whatever they're called, <laughs> All right, pick I'll, them up. I'll watch. For, you'll watch out for them. <laughs> I will yokai watch for them. There you go. Cool, let's move on to some charts. Awesome. 
Okay then, so yeah, these are the Media Create Sales for the week of uh, 23rd of February to the 1st of March. And uh, yeah, starting at number 10, a 3DS game, Nanatsu no Taizai, The Seven Deadly Sims. Uh, <laughs> I really have no That's idea what this metal. is. Yeah. Uh, Bandai Namco made this. It's probably another bullshit anime schoolgirl game. Possibly. Okay, we have no idea what that is. Uh, number 9, Smash Brothers for 3DS. Uh, it's going well. 2.1 mil sold, just for the uh, handheld version there. Uh, skipping ahead, PS Vita bullshit, exploding clothes, possibly. Uh, number six, um, Pokemon. <laughs> uh, number six, Pokemon Omega Ruby, and uh, that's gone up to 2.5 mil. Crazy. And that, that was on my. I was either going to buy Ruby or Link to Between Worlds this week, and I said, fuck Pokemon, sick of you. So I got Zelda. Good call. And number five, Yokai Watch 2, Shin Uchi. I think this is the third Yokai Watch 2. Third, um, second version of Yokai Watch 2 expansion pack. 2.3, yeah. yeah. That's 2.5 mil as well. Uh, let me just see which is winning Pokemon or Yokai. Uh, 5.13. Uh, Pokemon is just ahead of Yokai Watch 2. Just. And then moving up to number three, uh, Majora's Mask. There you go. Uh, Majora's Mask, uh, 340,000 sold. Um, so yeah, doing pretty well, I guess. Um, I'm not sure how well Majora's Mask did originally back in the day on the N64 version when they had this the much more difficult version. Yeah, if you I, guys remember that. I know it was, uh, it was kind no of a dark points. horse when it came out where it was like, no one really liked Majora's Mask. It took like a few years for people to realize, hey, this is kind of good. So yeah. I don't know how the launch was. But yeah, the, the Japanese version famously doesn't have the owl save statues. Yes. Um, so yeah, they had to get good, real, really, really good. good. Um, and that, yeah, that's actually the top ranking Nintendo game in the charts. Number one and two is actually uh, Dragon Quest Heroes. Uh, why the hell did... Oh, well... Oh, right, PS3 and PS4 versions. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, The um, this is not a real Dragon Quest game, right? This is one of those uh, like it's like, Samurai like, Warriors thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like the Hyrule Warriors style. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Speaking um, of that Hyrule Warriors, actually, on the Zelda note, of uh, they recently released like a, a DLC where you can play as Ganon in the game. Yeah, I saw that, yeah, and a chicken. Yeah, which is really cool. Like when you if you finish the mode as Ganon, you un like on the highest difficulty, you unlock a cuckoo as a uh, as a playable character, like a giant god cuckoo. I like it. And it's like, wow, an unlockable character. I haven't heard of one of those in a while. That uh, why why unlock something when you can charge for it? Okay, moving on to hardware sales. Um, the Wii U is up to two point two million sold. Um, but the PS Vita, which was its closest rival up till recently, is now up to 3.7 million. So <laughs> we're no longer comparing those two. Uh, the PS4 is at 1.1 million, so it's still beating out that. Just. But I also heard that the PS4 is sold up to like 20 million worldwide or something. So yeah, it's a bit embarrassing um, for Nintendo. 
um, individually, the 3DS, let me just see here, the new 3DS LL is up to 1.1 million sold, and the regular new 3DS is only, life to date, 480,000. So, yeah, I'm not more yeah, than I'm, twice. I'm not really too shocked at that. Like, after, because my, my often talked about two 3DSs I have here. <laughs> yeah. The... The e the EU one I have like the regular small 3ds and then mm -hmm. the Japanese one is the LL and I I usually stay away from the bigger version of all the consoles I always mm -hmm. try and get the smallest one okay but the LL is so much nicer than the, yeah. the 3ds in like pretty much every way so true and the new 3ds LL is also an improvement yeah. apart from the sticky fingerprints. Um, which is kind of annoying, but you know, mm -hmm. you get over it. Yeah. But yeah, that's why uh, the little faceplate machine didn't come out in the States. Um, people are not really buying it that much, the smaller system. So there you go. Those giant American hands don't work. Big stubby fingers. Yeah. It turns out less is not actually more. More is more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what Reggie thinks, and I agree with him for once. So yeah, that's. Uh, he is pleased you understand. Yeah, that's the, uh, the the charts and the news, and so now we're going to move on to some letters, and uh, hopefully we'll lead into a nice life in Japan segment. Okay. Okay then, so we've got some great letters and comments from you guys, um, thank you very much uh, for writing in. Um, if you want to do that, please do it at famicast at nintendoworldreport.com. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and read the first one. Uh, Ty, go ahead. Yeah. Hey guys, great show. Have either of you played Fatal Frame 5 on Wii U? Haven't heard much about it, hasn't been well received. Rumors suggest a Western release this year. Thoughts? Also, I've been thinking a lot about Devil's Third lately. Really hoping it will get a release date soon. Will Itagaki's promise of competent online modes be realized? I'm worried that any hype this seven-year game ha had has faded since its reveal. <laughs> Is it really seven years? I I don't think so. Has it been? Anyway, cheers, Mike. That's right. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Um, seven years, Jesus Christ! Yeah, because it's obviously this wasn't originally a Wii U game, right? Um, right. Like, was it 360 uh, or was it ever I, announced? I don't know. Like the the trailer for the for Devil's Third looks so bad. But well, let's take these in order. <laughs> well, this is off to a good start. I like this. All right. So, Fail Fail Frame Five. Um, I don't have an in, a Japanese uh, Wii U. Um, so <laughs> I do, anybody? but, but haven't I haven't it? played it. Okay. The game or the Wii U or both? Yeah, like, it's a Smash Brothers machine. <laughs> and that's only when I have people over, so there's that. Da Danny's the one, the weirdo who buys, like, all these kind of Japanese third party games on Wii U, isn't he? So, yeah. if there's anyone going to buy it, it's probably him, and I don't think he has got it yet. 
but yeah, it does look really good. And uh, I had to laugh at the um, the unlockable skins in that game, where I think uh, the main girl walks around in her underpants. Um, hashtag O Japan. Typical Japanese game. Um, has as much as it's been well received. Well, I don't ever remember seeing it in the charts. <laughs> Not once. I honestly don't even remember seeing it in the shops. I haven't seen it in the shops either. Yeah. Uh, maybe once, maybe once. But yeah, I think it's it's a full it's full price, and you don't really see it as in the secondhand shops. So I think I don't think it was very widely distributed. So um, it's going to be one of those uh, cult hits if it is. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a shame. I often feel that that happens to Fatal Frame and Project Zero. They're just kind of they're all competent, good, scary games, but they just kind of get brushed under the carpet a bit. Well, the Wii, the original Wii one, uh, not original, there's more games than <laughs> before then, but you know what I mean, the one on the Wii. Hmm. Uh, am I right in thinking this didn't come out, that didn't come out in the West either, right? I don't think so, no. One of my friends is a huge Faithful Frame fan, and he's constantly complaining on Twitter. But um, the fans actually translated that game, and you could actually play it through a hacked Wii. Um, you had to have the actual retail disc for it yes. to work, which I thought was a pretty cool thing. Um, I think, yeah, there was a couple of games that that got kind of fan translations. Um, but yeah, as for this, I don't know. I have, if it's going to be on anything, I would see this coming out in Europe um, before the states. But you know, you never know what could happen. You know, I'm thinking like you know Xenoblade, that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I haven't played any of those games. <laughs> so, I've never finished any of them, but I really enjoyed the first and second one from what I played of them. Was that was that PS2? They were Xbox One or Xbox Original, not Xbox One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, confusing! Oh God. Uh, so Ty, what do you think? Do you think um, Itagaki's promise of uh, competent online modes will be realized? Um. I'm highly skeptical of uh, most Japanese developers to produce a competent online mode, uh, especially Itagaki. Like I, I have, my, I mean, I have my doubts in general about this game. So you're going to say doubts in general about him as a person? Yeah. Well, <laughs> wear sunglasses inside. Don't trust that dude. This is that's a whole another can of worms. But sure. I, I would not take. Uh, anything he says at face value about the online play or most Japanese developers in general. I would I would just, even if you're looking forward to this game, don't buy it on day one. Buy it on day two or day 321 <laughs> after it's hit the bargain bins. Like, yeah. It might be good, you know. It, it might come out someday, too. That, that's a genuine possibility. It's like the Japanese Duke Nukem. Yeah. In, in so many ways. In so True. many ways. When I saw, was this at like the last E3 or something? Um, yeah. The I videos so. that I saw of it, I mean, Jesus Christ, it looked like an early 360 game. Yeah, well, it was it was designed to be, it was going to be released on PS3 and 360, then THQ folded, and uh, the, the publisher just disappears, and the game kind of died. 
but it was kind of like you know like red steel on the original Wii. Yeah. You know, it was like that kind of level. <laughs> it was like graphics ugh. don't matter, man. <laughs> what a mess. It's got. <laughs> it does have some good ideas, right? Like you, has it got like sword gameplay as well as gun gameplay, right? Wow, yeah, that's a good thinking. idea. That's never been done before. <laughs> <laughs> but like in um, you know, like a team deathmatch kind of way. I don't know. It could be interesting. But um, yeah. Come well, on, awesome. game you got to seven-year development cycle, switched engines and publishers twice. That's the kind of moment where you go, I'm going to let this game come out in its own time, and I will give it no more thought than that. Listen, it's okay to be 100% cynical. You don't have to try try to pay, play good cop or whatever. <laughs> okay, yeah. screw that again. Screw I'm going back to my amiibo. I think uh, Iwata was mistaken. Like, you know, he was like, you know, Bayonetta 2, yeah, let's save that game. Um, oh, here's another Japanese third-party game. Devil's Third, yeah, that sounds good. No. That's got, that's got third in the title, so, you know, we've got a two, and now we'll have a third. <laughs> now we just need a game with a four in it, you know. I don't know what he was thinking, but um, uh, it's kind he of He was weird. thinking, we need another game that looks adult, and we can pick up on the cheap because THQ just folded, and they're dying <laughs> for money. Oh, man. Like, it could be good, but don't be the person that takes the punch to find out. <laughs> do do like the penguins do, where they all crowd around an edge until someone gets pushed over to see if they get eaten by a killer whale or not. <laughs> that's, what, that's what this game is. It's a killer whale in all the bad ways. Yeah, it's going to be one of those race to the bottom ones, isn't it? $60 to nine ninety nine. I still have flashbacks of buying Knight's Journey of Dreams in the Wii for like 70 euro, and then in like four weeks it was down to 20, 20 euro. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I thought you said yen for a second then. I was like, 70 yen, that's a pretty good price. No, this is back in, the, back in the old country. Back in the old <laughs> In every definition of the word. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's painful. So uh, yeah, I guess the uh, <laughs> the consensus is be worried and yes, do not get hype for this game. Devil's turd, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> it could be good. It could be good, but odds are no. And wait and let someone else find out. Um, okay then. So the next letter we got was this one from our good friend Russ Greeno. He says, hi, family crew. As James, that would be me, uh, will be happy to confirm and possibly explain to everyone else, in Britain we have a fairly long-running tradition of parties that involve the concept of car swapping, also known as key swapping. Is there anything equally fun in Japan? Ciao for now, from Russ. So, <laughs> uh, my first instinct was to uh, delete this email, but um, <laughs> then I thought... You know, it could be fun. And he, I, I don't know about his ins, insinuation that, you know, this is a popular thing in Britain. I don't know, maybe from where he comes from. I'm not sure which part of Britain he comes from. But, you know, key swapping. Uh, Tide, is, have you heard of this concept? Yeah, yeah, in the U.S., it's like when you go home with someone else's wife. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, 
and I don't know if this is what this dude means or not. It is exactly what he means. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even like I, in Ireland, I'm pretty close to the UK, but this is this is not exactly a common everyday practice. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, swingers. Do swingers exist in Japan? Probably. Um, but um, I wouldn't know. know oh yeah, as that. an expert in the swinger scene, let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was he expecting? But you know, um, I I did actually respond to Russ, Russ personally about this, and I and I did have an idea about a similar. Well, I hesitate to use the word similar, but kind of similar concept in Japan. Um, so there's this thing, there's this concept called omiyai which um, is a kind of a, uh, it's a small party where three guys and three girls get together. They may or may not all know each other. Maybe maybe one or, you know, a couple of the people of the group know each other. And they get together with the sole purpose of either, you know, dating or, you know, with the ultimate goal of getting married, basically. <laughs> this is kind of like a very long tradition, you know, omiyai you know, traditionally is, um, you know, like an arranged marriage kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, in similar to, you know, Indian uh, tradition, you know, where people set their marriage dates when they're only like 11 years old or whatever, and they get married later on. It's not quite the same in Japan, but, you know, there is a, you know, similar thing, you know, where the families may uh, arrange uh you know, two people were getting together. It's not so well known these days. So this is kind of like a modern uh, version of it. So what, yeah, like it's kind of like hidden as like a dating party, you know, maybe more similar to like a, what would you call it? Like a uh, like blind a group date. Blind date kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like a blind date. You bring date. a couple of friends, a girl brings a couple of friends, you all kind of sit down, pair off. Mm-hmm. But the dif- the differences between that and a blind date is like it's very much you know wedding. Yes. You know, the wedding yeah. bells are already ringing at the beginning of the party, kind of thing. You hear that twenty fifth <laughs> birthday coming up, and you got those Christmas cake things happening. So. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, yes. on on Tokyo Craigslist, <laughs> <laughs> right. you can find anything you want. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is especially common when when people hit the the big three O or they're about to bit hit hit the big three O. These um, kind of parties would become more frequent. You know, there's a kind of a stigma attached to you know being unmarried over after the age of thirty in Japan. So um, let me tell you, yeah, people <laughs> people tend to get a bit uh, desperate. And, um, yeah, and it's it's so depressing talking to some of my coworkers or pretty much anyone I know who's like married. Mm-hmm. Like most of them are just like, oh yeah, we just got married because you know we were thirty. <laughs> yeah, at a my eye party, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like wow, well that's crushingly depressing. But yeah. continue. I'm yeah. thirty-three, and when I tell people, yeah, I'm not married, they they get they have the best reactions. Like, just oh. like oh my god. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> are you? They, they instantly put you on suicide watch. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's um yeah one of those cultural differences, I guess. I don't think you would find any foreigners going to uh, a Japanese omiyai. 
you know, especially if they're only like 28. <laughs> you know? I, I do actually know a couple of people who, who like live permanently in Japan now. They're over 30. They find it really hard to date people here because dating random people is kind of hard in Japan. And they have actually started doing this Omi-Eye thing, so it can happen. If someone invites me, I'd go. But if it was gaming themed, you know, like yeah, everyone right. there likes games. <laughs> yeah, everyone wears cosplay. You've got a full mask, so you don't know what gender or person you're talking to. <laughs> gender or person. With voice disguises, too. Yeah. Everyone sounds like Optimus Prime. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Man, that would be so. I, I'm fun. into Gundam suits. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Russ, I hope you're happy with that uh, answer. Um. <laughs> it's not quite what you were hoping for, but yeah, something similar. I I do similar to key swapping though on the relation of like using other people's cars. There is the at least in my town and Yamanashi in general, there's kind of the the unwritten rule of if you're coming home from a party and you're drunk, it's totally okay to steal anyone's bike as long as you leave it at the train station. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. You're talking about Japan here, right? Not yeah, Ireland. Japan. Yeah, cause like, I, yeah, Japan. I've, I've often like, oh well, I'm outside, my bike's gone, so I guess I'll go to the train station, and it's like, oh, there's my bike. So. Yep. Yeah, I've had exactly that same experience. Yeah. But if you leave it there for too long, it'll get taken away and yeah. crushed and crushed into a cube. Okay, so let's uh, finish up the letters with the last one, uh, Sai. Okay, so this came in via email from Voodoo. So, what is your exit strategy for Japan? Or in Tai's case, what's your escape plan? Of course, Sai <laughs> is left out because no one likes Sai. This is depressing. <laughs> Do you plan to stay permanently, or will you eventually return to your home country? Cheers, Voodoo. Okay, that's a good question, actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we have talked many times about how we got here and, uh, you know, how we got our jobs and everything like that. But um, as for leaving, I don't think we've ever talked about that. Um, so obviously Danny's not here today to talk about this, but um, uh, for me, the only other married guy on the podcast, um, I would say that I'm pretty much a permanent resident of Japan now, at least for the long foreseeable future. I couldn't possibly tell you uh, about my retirement plans. I don't think that far ahead, you know, who knows what could happen between now and then. Um, but, you know, for the long, for the next, you know, good couple of decades, I'm happy living in Japan. It's a, it's a great country to, to work in, so I'm happy being here. Um, I guess we, <laughs> we should leave Ty last because um, his escape plan is the most uh, detailed. And, uh, yeah. Sai, how about you? Yeah, well, even though Voodoo didn't ask me, I'm going to say anyway. Yeah. But um, he, uh, yeah, so I'm on the JET program here, which is like, come over, teach English, usual thing. Mm -hmm. But the JET program has a cap of maximum of five years that you can stay on it. After oh, that, yeah. you actually have to look for work. Yeah, so <laughs> you, can, Imagine you, can, that. you can keep extending your contract up from one year to five years. But once five years, you're gone, and they, they fire you. Okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm on my fourth year at the moment, but I'm looking. I might be heading back somewhere after this. So, but uh, yeah, I've got like I have no attachment to any country. I have no particular interest in going back to Ireland. So 
I might go to America or Australia or somewhere. I don't know. I don't care. You're a free roaming guy, right? I am. Thankfully, Ireland has free college education, so I don't have any debts hanging over me. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And slightly yep. annoying. Hmm. Well, we have college <laughs> education. No college fees, I should say. <laughs> yeah. right, we right. gave up on the whole third level education. Devil's third. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's terrible. So Ty, how about you? Um, yeah. In case, in case the feds are listening, go ahead. Oh yeah. Uh, I. Uh, Where I, to I begin? Really, yeah. I. I almost want to say I don't have a plan per se. Well, you know, like, I'm not tied down either. Like, you know, I'm not married or anything like that. So mm, the short answer is I just want to follow the money, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i actually literally from the lowest per capita income state in the United States. So I don't want to go back there. It's not a good place to get a job or you know, a living wage. So and, you're considered a millionaire at this point from back home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. that Japanese exchange rate is so good for going back to America right now. Yeah, it's tempting. Like, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I pay, like, uh, I'm paying off my, a school debt. It kind of sucks right now with the exchange rate for, like, sending money to America. So, I mean, that's a thing, but... You know, it, it's not a deal breaker. So, um, and without getting into it, like you know, I, I have kind of a a lot of countercultural opinions about things. So I'm not super excited to go back to America. I'm not planning on. I'm planning on staying in Japan. But if somebody, you know, if I find a a job with uh, you know some decent figures, yeah, I would move back to America or to any country basically. Yeah, I I actually recently read about this this concept of um, never being able to go home again. I don't know if you've heard about this con this concept. You know, not yeah. literally, not literally, but like um, the reverse culture shock. Yeah, like when you you live abroad for a while, and then you kind of you build up this image of your home country, what it was like, and then when you go back, it's like it's nothing like that, or maybe things have changed dramatically. So it's you know it's even less like what you thought it was <laughs> you know you know your friends have changed or haven't changed at all you know for the worse or whatever so you know yeah. you, end, you end up you know wanting to go back to the the foreign country that you were living in before and you know it often happens you know people go back and then you know quite suddenly come back to japan you know a couple of years later uh because of that very very concept so it's kind of interesting and also, it doesn't help that the job market sucks in pretty much every Western country <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Japan is good for jobs. There are always jobs yes. going around, especially, especially for... if you're an English speaker. It's like, hey, I need a teaching job. And you're like, okay, pick a place. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you could easily stick around after the JET program. Yeah, it's like once you've got like one teaching job under your belt, it's like, hey, hire me. And they're like, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, you could find a job like literally in a week, I think, mm -hmm. if you got fired tomorrow. Yeah, no, I, I would not be worried about finding a job like that. That's right. But my, my only, my one piece of advice, if I could put my, you know, 
slightly adult, you know, dad hat on for a few, three or three moment, moments. It was like, if you don't want to get stuck in the, the ALT loop, as uh, I like to call it, you know, yeah. being, being stuck in the, uh, you know, that certain pay band that you can never seem to get out of, you know, you do need to get, you know, more education, you know, like what I did and, uh, you know, getting a master's or something like a proper teaching certificate yeah. or something like that. And if you, as soon as you get that, you can kind of jump up to the next salary band or whatever, and you can, you can earn yourself a nice uh, wage and mm -hmm. uh, things will get better and you would feel less crap about living <laughs> in Japan. And you can buy more games. Yeah, that's oh, the one yeah, benefit of the JET program is that the JET program pays really well. You kind of usually end up in a in like a really backside countryside <laughs> town that sells VHSs in their local shops. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So you, you, it's it's good money, but yeah, the JET program has its drawbacks. Yeah, you expect to be posted in a school right next to Akihabara. My yeah, my reality my first, is very different. Yeah, my my first town I was going to be placed in, I was they told me there was going to be like a bell on my table when I got there, and always to wear the bell in case I got attacked by a bear. So, <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, countryside towns. Yeah, and it's only a short four-hour bullet train ride to uh, Tokyo. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, I guess we'll have to wait uh, for Danny's uh, answer to that. Uh, should be interesting to know his answer now. He's a he's a married man, <laughs> so I'm sure it'll be similar to my answer. But yeah, I think that's it, guys. I think we're just gonna wrap stuff up with some tweets. So we'll be back after the short break. Okay, so we're going to move on to some uh, tweets and listener feedback. Uh, first one we got uh, actually from the forums, which isn't dead. Um, from dead Klex, and gay. Klex Yoshi, or Klex Yoshi, depending on where you're from. Uh, he says that episode 50, that was a uh, fun show. And he insists that the forums do live, just very slowly. Also, Minara's English has gotten better. So, yeah. So Minoru would be happy to hear that if he's listening. Good job, Minoru. And next up, we've got we had a question from at Anna Clay on Twitter. Uh, he said, "Who's the chap on the Famicast who sounds like a young Tom Hanks?" Pretty sure it's me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, our good. Uh, trolling uh, fan uh, Russ Greeno says Minoru is the Tom Hanks and like <laughs> Minoru getting lots of love as usual um, so yeah thank you for those tweets and we actually had an iTunes review <laughs> which I do not understand whatsoever I'm not even sure if this was written by an English speaker or in fact a human being 
but um, someone calling themselves <laughs> Meow Bear said uh, the Famicast was, quote, a fun giggle bug. Um, I have absolutely <laughs> no idea what that means, but thank That's you. That's about what I'd expect coming from someone called Meow Bear. But thank you, yeah, Mr. <laughs> Meow Bear. Keep those, keep those uh, iTunes views coming in. Um, thank you very much. So yeah, now we're going to give out our Twitter handles. Um, let's start with Sai this time. So my Twitter handle is at Celsai. C-E-L-L-S-A-I. It's very cool. And will I say a tweet? If you have one, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so my tweet is because I'm a really cool guy. This guy I was talking to. He told me that I had a cool name, and then he said he was talking to his wife about my name, and they said they should call their kid Cyrus because he'd be cool too. And wow. I'm like, that was pretty good. It was pretty good advice. I could get behind that. So you don't have any real tweets to. to that is that. a real tweet. If if any of you know the 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 Kickstarter Hullabaloo, it's like this animation project made from a Disney guy. I was talking to the director of that, and he was saying. We should call our next kill Cyrus. I'm still not entirely convinced that Cyrus is your real name. But uh, I'll you take are, your word for it. You've got a sad life. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so let me see. I've, I've got a good tweet here from, uh, God, not again. Russ Greeno, again. Jesus Christ, this guy is everywhere. Number one fan. Number one fan. Um, he... He submitted a Hypertrol get to me. He wanted to give me a, a rating out of 10. Um, he tweeted at Engadget, who asked, who asked, um, who Engadget tweeted out a news article with the headline, Sony's testing a PS4 update that lets you pick up your game from where you left off. And Russ Greeno's uh, reaction to that was, um, you mean a pause button? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Sony are, you know, touting this big new feature that lets you pause a game and pick up where you left off. So, uh, Ty, what do you think? Out of ten? Uh, <laughs> Seven point nine. Seven point nine. Yeah, I gave him an eight point five. So uh, just for the <laughs> just for the all-out ballsiness of uh, directly tweeting to Engadget, that was great. Um, but yes, uh, if you want to submit any. Hypertrol gets to me. Please do that at Famicomplicated, and uh, I always like reading them and doing them myself. Uh, Ty, go ahead. All right. Uh, my Twitter handle is SuperCatDrugs, one word. Um, recent tweet. Shoutouts to my hometown of Missoula for being awesome. And included is a big electric road sign that says "Smoke weed every day." <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's just on the side of the road. Yeah, I can tell it's right next to the university. <laughs> Much to my right. non-surprise. Yeah, of it's course. one of those like big construction signs that you see it like, you know, slow down construction ahead. Yeah, this picture made the rounds on a few news sites, I think. Yeah. I I read a thing a few years back on how the how to how to hack into the the control pads of those those machines. To, to change to whatever you want really easily. It's very easy. You can do it yeah. in seconds. You can play some watchdogs in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk, talking about uh, 
on the concept on the uh, topic of drugs, I got uh, actually a good one. You just reminded me. Um, this is from uh, Jake Edelstein, who's a kind of a famous uh, foreign reporter living in Japan. He's uh, he's famously reports on the yakuza and stuff like that. Um, he found this T-shirt which says "No more drugs," with a kind of a, a, a picture of somebody crossing their fingers, you know, in the tra traditional Japanese way, you know, to doing the X. It says "No more drugs, overdose for freedom." And he just tweeted, uh, well, that's one way to quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great, great Japanese t-shirt and a great comeback. So yeah, follow him if you want to learn more about the Japanese uh, gangster. <laughs> Jake is he, Edelstein. Is he the one that wrote that Tokyo Vice book? Yep, that's the one. Uh, okay, I read that when I first got here. Every day I wonder, how is this guy still alive? I the, reading from that book, yeah, it's it's very surprising he is still alive. <laughs> but yeah, he's great. So yeah, that's it. that is the show, guys. Um, thank you very much for listening. And uh, like I said earlier in the show, uh, please uh, send us an email if you want to ask us a question. Life in Japan, uh, famicast at nintendoworldreport.com, or please follow us on Twitter and do some. Uh, you know, short questions or trolling to us there at the Famicast, and we will uh, read them out on the next show. So that just leaves me to say thank you, Ty, as always. Oh, it's my honor. pleasure. And mine. And Sai, thank you for coming on again and off the subs bench and uh, into the foray of podcasting. It was a pleasure. You can feel free to name any of your future children after me. I will not. So, thank you very much, and until next time, family dudes out. Peace. Peace. Bye. Oyakasha. What the hell is this picture? Where did this... <laughs> the Dead or Alive cover? Bows. <laughs> balls. Balls. Ba 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 balls. What are we looking at? We are looking at two very different things. Balls, oh, balls, 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 balls. balls. I thought you were looking at the link in, like, the, the chat. Don't all Irish people pronounce it as devil's turd? I am insulted, and you'll be...
<laughs> you got cut off at that. You said something. I'm, I'm assuming it was a swear word. 